This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Glad you made it here today. If you're watching by live stream, we're glad to have you too. You know, something happens when the body of Christ comes together on Sunday morning. And so I'm going to ask you to join with me here just on a couple things. I, I know we've had several in the church that have lost family members. Ricky Shure, Frankie King, uh, there's several. We have several that are in the hospital right now. But our children's pastor, uh, Pastor Keith, he has a niece right now that is in the hospital here that was in a wreck on uh, Thursday or Friday. And she broke every bone in her face. All her teeth are gone. Her hips broken. Just just a royal, royal mess. And she had a stroke yesterday evening. So we got the opportunity um, last night to talk with him. And he said, Pastor, we, we, we really need prayer. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me because that's what a church family does. So she's 16 years old. I'm not sure of her name, but let's just pray. Father God, we, we come today on behalf of these ones that are in the hospital. Lord, this 16-year-old and the, the nephew of Joe Rojas and their family also, Lord, that, Lord, you would do a miracle. That our God is still a miracle worker. And Lord, we, we thank you that we can pray, we can stand on the name of Jesus, and Lord, we give you glory and honor for everything that will take place with her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, I'm, I'm glad you're here today. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up really high, and our ushers would gladly get the Word of God in your hand, and we're going to go to Matthew 1, and then we'll go to Ephesians 3 is where we're going to begin today. So we're still on our series here, The Touch of God, which is based on Psalm 92, verse 10, that God is our strength, that God is a God that still anoints with fresh oil that he wants to, to touch us by his Holy Spirit. And so, you know, the things with the things of God that I see happen over and over, God is more concerned about you internally than he is externally. That you'll hear me say this several times today, that God wants to do an inside job on you, okay? He wants to move within you. So to set the table a little bit where we're going here with Jesus' bloodline, I look in Matthew 5, verse, or chapter 1, verse 5. Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. Now you begin to see this is the, the bloodline or the genealogy of Jesus so the king is King David. And a lot of times we have this thought that King David was flawless. He was perfect. He never messed up. He never missed it. He never blew it. He never screwed up. He was just a great guy. But what you'll find out today is this, that there were things in his life that only God could do to move again in, on the inside. That Proverbs 24, 16 says, a righteous man will fall seven times. One translation says he'll fall over and over again, but he'll get back up. And so go with me here to the book of Ephesians just for a little bit. We're going to read one verse there. Ephesians chapter 3. 
And again, I want you to see biblically about how God wants to work in our hearts today, every one of us. Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him, Father God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. That's quite a promise right there. And so when you look at that, he didn't say just above what you could ask or think or not abundantly above what you could ask or think, but he specifically said exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. Far more than you could imagine, far more than you could guess or even request. Now watch what he ends this with. According to the power that works in us. That's the Holy Spirit that works in us and he works deeply within us and he works gently within every one of us. But the Amplified here says, it's beyond our highest prayers, our highest desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. So I, I can't neglect what God's wanting to do on the inside of me. I, I believe that just as the Lord said about King David, he's a man after my own heart. I believe that's where God wants to move within every one of us today, our heart. And when I talk about our heart today, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, man is spirit, soul, and body. And so my heart is the real me. My heart is my spirit on the inside. That's where God begins to make a move in your life. He begins to change you inwardly. I like to say it this way. God begins to move in me on the inside and there becomes a change on me on the outside. But again, it's always an inside job is where it starts. Now, go with me back into the Old Testament to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11, and just to help you a little bit where we're at in this, King David has been the king for quite a period of time. And this is the man who uh, he destroyed and defeated and cut off Goliath's head. I mean, he just did incredible things for the kingdom of God. But David is the same king that God said to him, I won't allow you to build me a temple because you shed so much blood. And so David was a, a ruthless warrior, but he is deep into his areas being king where we pick up here. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. And it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him. And all of Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon, and they besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. Now, it's very important that you see a couple things here. David remained in Jerusalem. But the start of the verse said, it was the time of year that kings go out to battle. And we're talking about King David. So if kings were supposed to go out to battle, what was David doing remaining in Jerusalem? So for every one of this, uh, every one of us, it's dangerous for me to not do what God tells me to do. And it's dangerous for me to not be where God tells me to be. And what begins to happen if I don't do what God desires me to do and be where God desires me to be, that I start drifting from the things of God. And none of us are exempt from drift. And with drift... You get boredom. And with boredom, you have this saying, what are you doing? Well, I'm just killing time. 
Well, it's very dangerous for a human being to be killing time. I don't need to be killing time. I've been mean, using my time wisely, but even in the area of boredom. So in your life, now answer this. When you become bored, how do you fill that slot in your life? Most of the time, it's not good for you or for me or for King David. Verse 2. Then it happened one evening, getting dark time, that David arose from his bed, from his afternoon nap. And he walked on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. Now, when you look at this, the woman's not doing anything wrong. She's out bathing. But this is how the progression of our lives looks like as human beings. He sees this woman, and what he sees gives birth to the very first thing, a thing called desire. What he saw with this woman named Bathsheba caused there be a unhealthy desire within him. Now, when it says right here that he saw a woman bathing, it gives us two cross-references. The first one is Job 31.1, which says, I made a covenant with my eyes to not look or gaze upon a woman. Listen what the message says for that. I made a pact with myself to never undress a girl with my eyes. Wow. Even... In a sexually saturated society. Even when I'm surrounded by lust. I, I can't make excuses for this. And again, it's with every one of us in here, I believe. I must guard my eyes. It's everywhere. But the second cross-reference on that is Matthew 5, 28... And the Lord Jesus says that when you look upon a woman in a lustful way, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Ow. So when you see what happens here, be careful little eyes what you see. This is the first thing it, it did. It brought on desire. Verse 3, so David sinned and inquired about the woman. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of the Uriah the Hittite? Did someone not say, hey, king, she's married. Her husband is Uriah the Hittite, who's out fighting where you should be. So off of verse 3, we get the second part. Desire leads to enticement. The word enticement means to lure or pull you in a direction that you don't want to go. So if I don't have a, a, a strength or a power within me from the Lord to stand against unhealthy desires, then enticement comes. I said this on Wednesday night. This is 2 Peter 2 verse 9. It says that our God knows how to deliver 
or rescue his righteous from temptation. Man, when I get in situations like this, I better start calling out to God. I need help. I mean, I need better. I'm in over my head. Verse four. Then David sent messengers and took her and she came to him and he lay with her for she was cleansed from her impurity and she returned to her house. Now David didn't flee from the opportunity. He flirted with the opportunity. So desire gives birth to enticement and enticement ultimately gives birth to sin. Well, pastor, you shouldn't use that word in church. We don't want to scare the customers off. But isn't it interesting that Jesus would define sin as sin? And so we might as well call it what it is in the air with the Bible. And so again, desire, enticement, sin, but it doesn't end there. Verse number five, and the woman conceived, so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. And David said, son of Abednego. Uh-oh, this isn't how I planned for this to go. This isn't how I desired for it to go. And so off of reading on this, human nature has two ways to go. I can do it man's way or I can do it God's way. So King David, and I'm really going to paraphrase here, King David says, I'm going to do it man's ways. And so he literally tries to hide what he did. He literally tries to cover his track, very similar to what Adam did in Genesis 3. And so what David decides to do in all his brilliance, he puts a hit out on Bathsheba's husband, Uriah the Hittite. Now, this is King David. This, this is a man of God who acts disgracefully, and this is what happens when I get over into sin. Sin causes mankind to act disgracefully. So David has Uriah the Hittite murdered through another man's hands. So King David thinks, took care of that problem. Everything's going to look like Uriah is the one who got her pregnant, not me, so I'm good to go. But let me whisper a little truth to you here today, okay? Numbers 32, 23 says, your sin will find you out. Your sin, wait a minute, the Bible used the word sin? Your sin will find you out, okay? And so, King David right here, he goes day by day, week by week, month by month, almost an entire year has elapsed and he never repents. He never confesses or acknowledges sin to God. And so as a human being, when that begins to happen, I don't repent on my own. 
my heart begins to get hard. And there's a wall that becomes erected between me and God. And maybe that's defining you right now. Is your heart hard toward God? Is there a wall that's erected between you and God? And you think, I never hear from God. God never speaks to me anymore. And so what God does out of his love and his mercy, he sends this prophet named Nathan to confront David with what he did. If you've got a friend that confronts you about your sin, that's a good friend. Why do you say that? Because a good friend tells you what you need to hear instead of what you want to hear. And so when God sends Nathan... It's the love of God. It's the mercy of God. And so Nathan begins to tell David all that took place in here. And then he ultimately says to David, you're the person who committed these sins. So you know what David says? I've sinned against the Lord. I've sinned against God. 2 Samuel 12 Nathan says to this to David, and you won't die. Because you repented of your sin, you won't die. Desire leads to enticement, enticement leads to sin, and sin leads to death. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 51, the 51st Psalm. See, in this life, we can, we can fool people. We can deceive people. But you can't fool God. So we get to Psalm 51. And the subtitle in my Bible says this, A Psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. So when Nathan the prophet confronts him, King David writes this psalm. One of the greatest psalms of all of them to me. I, I can tell you personally, I wear Psalm 51 out. I have spoke this and spoke this and spoke this. So watch what happens here. Let, let the word of God get in you here through this. Verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Be generous to me, Father God, with your unfailing love. I, I welcome your great compassion. I welcome your mercy and, and your grace. Now, I'm reading this in the New King James, and everything that I'm going to say to you is, is coming off of the Amplified, the Message, the New American Standard. It's all these different translations. But I want you to get real easy uh, the point that he makes here. He ends in verse 1, and he says, Blot out my transgression. Wash away the stains of my sin. The very first thing he does, he recognizes sin. Verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. 
Now I'm going to stop just a second because in verses 1, 2, 3, 4, over and over you're going to see the word my. The word my there, it literally means that David was taking responsibility for his choices and his actions. He said, my, my sin, my iniquity. He didn't do like Adam and say, it's that crazy woman you gave me. My. He says, my, my iniquity. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Scrub away the guilt of my sin. And cleanse me from my sin. Forgive my rebellious ways. Erase this deep stain because my sins are staring me down. My sins are wearing me out. Verse 3. For I acknowledge my transgression. If you were here last week, Genesis 38 with a man named Judah, remember what he said? I acknowledge. The word acknowledge means I confess. Here King David says, I acknowledge or I confess my transgression, my trespasses. And my sin is always before me. I feel pain and anguish. It haunts me day and night. I'm so ashamed. This is King David. So he recognizes sin. He identifies sin. Sin, transgression, and iniquity, okay? Iniquities have to do with generational stuff. Verse 4. Look at this. This is so powerful. Against you, you only have I sinned. Wow, what a heart. Against you, only have I sinned. And, and I, I don't believe David was up and about when he wrote this song. I believe he was on his knees. I believe you sense the sorrow and the deep repentance within him. Only against you, Lord, have I sinned. And done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. So he goes on in this passage and he said, Lord, I ask you to, to put the truth in me from the inside out. So I'm, I'm reading this right here. And in the New Testament, in, in Luke 15, it talks about the prodigal son. And remember the prodigal son went to his father and said, man, I, I, I want my inheritance now. And it says that he wasted his money or his life on prodigal living. And the Lord allowed him to do that. And his life began to spin out of control until ultimately he landed in the pig pens. You know, the pig pens are about as low as you can get. But when you get in the pig pen, you begin to look to God. And sometimes it takes people going all the way to the bottom until they start looking to God. And remember the prodigal son, he came to himself and he said, I gotta get back to my father. And when he got back to his father, he said, against heaven and you have I sinned. His exact words, against heaven and you have I sinned. And remember in the, in the passage of the prodigal son, when he said that, God didn't kick him dead square in his bottom 
and say, go and get your act cleaned up before you come back near me. God didn't say, you blew it. You're so Man, if you read that passage, when the prodigal son came home, the father embraced him. The father put the great robe around him. The, the father put a, a great party on. God still does those things. And so everything began to shift when David, he, he took full responsibility of his actions now. But there's some absolutes that David had to get from God to keep going. I'm going to share these absolutes with you because what you're going to see, every one of these are an inside job. Psalm 51, verse 10. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Create in me a pure heart. The, The message translation says it this way. Shape a Genesis week in the chaos of my life. And when I I read this right here, the word create, the word create means a divine act of bringing something wonderful out of nothing. So he's saying, Lord, you create in me a, a new heart. And note here, he didn't say to God, I'll do better, I'll try harder. That's nothing but but futile self-help. If we could fix ourselves, we would have never needed Jesus. That's why he sent Jesus. Who create in me, Lord, a clean heart. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Renew a loyal spirit within me. The message says, breathe holiness within me. A steadfast spirit where where I stay with the things of God. I'm not like a yo-yo or an elevator. I'm not going up and down, up and down, up and down. I I don't know about any, I welcome a steadfast spirit today. Do, Do something on the inside of me. Verse 11. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And the absence of God's presence is the same as the absence of his spirit. So you know what he's saying? Man, don't banish the Spirit of God from me. Now what's interesting in everything that King David asked God to do, nothing was materialistic. Not one time did he say, and God, whatever you do, don't remove me from being king. And God, whatever you do, don't take all my my camels and my donkeys. And God, whatever you do, no, 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 not nothing he asked for was outward. It was all internal. He was saying, God, I need you to do an inside job on me today. And so right here, he, he's, he's identifying what he needs. And what I see right here through all this is that King David, he had accepted his forgiveness. That's part of our problems. I must accept my forgiveness. And I do that by faith. And I just believe the word of God that God said in 1 John 1, 9. If you'll confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. So when I see David doing all this, you know what I realized? 
He accepted his forgiveness. He identified his sin. He repented of his sin. Verse 12. Ooh, this is a good one. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore the joy of salvation. Do you remember the day you got born again? Oh my goodness, what a day. What a day to know at one time I was going to be a, a person of hell for eternity and then God had saved me through his son. Oh, happy day. Restore to me the joy of salvation and uphold me with your generous spirit. Oh, Lord, I, I welcome you. Do a work on the inside of me. Same chapter, verse 17. The sacrifices of God or the desires that God desires are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. These, O oh God, you will not reject. And so when he talks about a broken spirit and a, and a contrite heart, that's a heart that's repentant. That's a heart that's humble. That's a heart that comes toward God and says, this is who I am and this is what I've done wrong. And I ask you, Father God, to, to do a, a work within me. And we know the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. Oh, Lord, I, I welcome that on the inside of me today. I welcome God to move in my life. So I go all the way back, and I'm not going to send you there. But when Samuel anointed David to be the next king in 1 Samuel 16, it says he anointed him with the Holy Spirit. And then I, I get to the end of his life in 2 Samuel 23, and it says he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. The start and the end was all defined by the anointing. The fresh anointing. The touch of God. And again, it's not just how I start, but it's also about how I end. And you may be here today and you say, but I've blown it. I've messed up. I've missed it. I, I, I've screwed up over and over again. But when I look at the bloodline of Jesus, there was no perfect people in there. There was a lot of flaws with people in there. And I highlight this today to say, maybe you've gotten over into sin. Maybe you've gotten over to areas in your life that you know have been wrong. But what would happen if we said, oh, Father God, I repent today. Would you stand up here? Stand up here, right here where you're at this morning. This is a reminder of God's grace is what this is. Again, you don't spell my name G-O-D. You don't spell my name little G-O-D. But I know there's a day that's coming 
that we'll all be held accountable for what we've done. And God gives me the opportunity to repent. Not to beat me up, but to restore me, to heal me. And just maybe today, God's used me to be a Nathan to confront you and say, this is the love of God. This is the love of God. See, I don't walk in Psalm 51, verse 10, 11, and 12 without obeying verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. But something happens when I say, that's me, Lord. That's me. And I've had a couple of days this week where I, I am normally pretty much like this. I'm just a pretty peaceful fella. I guess that's the way I see myself. My wife may tell you a little different. Man, I hit some roller coasters this week. And I, I had to deal with anger. I mean, bad. I mean, it, it was anger so bad. There were a couple men, I, I wanted to whip them. I wanted to be biblical and lay hands on them in the name of Jesus. And I said, Lord, you got to help me. I, I don't like that old man. I don't want him to come back alive. And so I said, Father God, forgive me. Forgive me. And so I'm, I'm not just preaching this for the fun of it. I need God to shape a Genesis week in the chaos of my life at times. And so as our team gets ready to sing again, I, I welcome you to these altars. And all you're doing is when you're coming to the altar, you're responding to God. You're saying, I heard your word today, Father God. Well, I, I don't want my wife to know what I've been doing and I don't want my kids to be knowing. Well, you're more of a respecter of person than you are God. You're more concerned about people's opinion of you than God's. Wow, you may want to tweet that one out. I welcome you to come down here and again, Father God, only against you have I sinned, trespassed and committed iniquities. Father God, I ask you to forgive me. I'll ask you to wash me. I welcome you to come on down. And then I'm telling you right now, when you know in your heart you've obeyed and you've received your forgiveness, that's when you start saying, oh, Lord, create in me a new heart. Renew me with a steadfast spirit. Father God, don't take your presence from me. Don't remove the Holy Spirit from me. I, I, I need you to restore the joy of my salvation today. I need you to put a path back in my step. But only God is, Lord, do an inside job on me today. Go ahead, God. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.